you to turn to the book of John, chapter 8. We'll be reading verses 1 through 11. John, chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. We're going to be reading from the New King James Version as we do. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning he came again into the temple. And all the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And then when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the least, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Let me go ahead and read verse 12. And Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of light. May Jesus, uh, God add his blessing to the reading of his word. If we look at this story, you kind of get the picture of Jesus in the temple. A group of men had found this woman, and they said they had caught her in the act, a very act of adultery. They basically put her in front of Jesus and basically says, we were telling you, you know what Moses commanded, now what do you say? And so we read what happened there in the passage. We see in both verse 5, they say, now Moses in the law commanded that at such us that such should be stoned, but what do you say? Very interesting, they, they, the elevation that they give to Moses, the elevation they give to the law. Even though we know that God and Jesus is above Moses, you can see how much they elevated Moses and how much they elevated the law. But you see in verse 6, this they said, testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him. I don't know if they were so much concerned about justice and righteousness as they wanted to accuse Jesus, and she just became the method by which to do that. They certainly weren't out for her well-being. They were concerned about tripping up Jesus. And what, what happened then is kind of interesting there. They're asking Jesus what to say, and Jesus kind of ignored them, didn't pay any attention. And then what did he do? He stooped down and started to write his finger in the sand. 
Well, yes. Didn't take a stick. He wrote on the ground with his finger. As though to ignore him. And maybe what he wrote on the ground was the same thing he wrote on the ground because he wrote it again. But they're like, hey, what's going on here? They kept asking. They didn't want to be ignored. We asked you a question. And he says, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And then he writes down in the sand again or in the dirt again. Now, if you were there and you were watching and you saw somebody writing something in the dirt, you might say, well, it's a distraction. They're just playing in the dirt. And they said, hey, answer my question. And they're writing in the dirt. They stoop down and write in the dirt again. They do it twice. So they ask him a question. He stoops down and he writes in the dirt. Then it seems like he stood up and they asked him a question again. So he stoops down and he writes in the dirt again. At that point, you're like, what is he writing in, what is he doing in the dirt? And then they look. Now, some have speculated that what he wrote there, that maybe that's what got to their conscience. But he wrote in the ground, on the ground again, that maybe he was writing down their sin. Or maybe he was writing down something that he had done. You know, we all will give an account for what we've done. But there before them, they'd come forward and we see that they all leave. Their conscience, it says. Being convicted by their conscience. And so what do we learn from this story? What things we can think about? They looked at this woman as irredeemable. They looked at this woman as someone that couldn't be saved. As someone that was to be cast aside as someone that could be killed. But how did Jesus look at her? If we continue and we look, he says, Woman, where are you, those accusers of yours as no one condemned you? And she responds, No one, Lord. And he says, Neither do I condemn you. Condemn you. Go and sin no more. So those that the religious had determined were unredeemable, Jesus redeems. So there's two sides to that to understand. We need to be careful that we don't look at someone as unredeemable, as unworthy, as unworthy of the blood of Jesus or that the blood of Jesus can't have an impact on their life that they can't be forgiven that as though Jesus blood cannot save them so when we look at people do we see them as unredeemable as worthless are they worthless before God are they worthless to Jesus no, they are worth something, and they are of value. And then the other thing we have to be cautious of, as we are looking at these people, there are some who would say, I have done. I have done things 
that are unredeemable. I have done things that are unforgivable. I have done things, and then they come to their mind or they think about them, and they start comparing. We don't want to make people feel, feel like that they're out so far that Jesus can't save them. Because do we remember where we were? Where would we be if Jesus hadn't come into our life? Where we would be if God hasn't done something in our life? So when we look at people out there, we don't want to look at them in contempt in the concept that they're worthless and unredeemable. We want to look at them with a heart of compassion saying that God can help them like he helped me. God can help them like he helped me because if we treat them as worthless and unworthy, first, I don't believe that's what Christ would have us to do, but then we perpetuate on them their own thoughts that I'm not worth anything. It's kind of like when we make jokes about someone or people make jokes about themselves and in the jokes that they're making, they're cutting themselves down. And we would laugh along with them and say, yeah, see, they're just making fun of themselves. It's okay. But they're trying to get attention to feel better even though they feel worthless. And we don't want to perpetuate and, and, and make them feel that way. So how did Jesus treat this woman? She had done something that they condemned her for. She had done something that they, she shouldn't have done. She had done a bad act. We want to not condone the activity, but realize that the person is still redeemable. So when we look at someone walking outside of God, not doing what God would have them do, they might not even be a Christian. When a Christian does something they shouldn't, be doing, we as Christians need to come alongside and remind them of what the Bible tells us in living in their faith. But we can't take that same approach. We can tell them what they're doing is wrong to those that are outside the faith. But we need to have compassion and say they need Jesus in the first place. What does your condemnation do for them? Just put them down and elevate you? They're not unredeemable. They are redeemable, just as you are redeemable. And so we should extend that love towards them, that compassion towards them, and realize the source of their bad choices is the sin that's in their life. Yeah, they've made a choice to not follow Christ, but maybe they're at a place that they can be convicted of their sin. They can be convicted of their wrongdoing and be awakened for their need of God, but we need to have that heart of a compassionate person versus of condemnation. Because Jesus wrote something in the dirt. Something to remind them, maybe. But he wrote something in the dirt, but they were reminded of their own conscience, of their own guilt, of their own sin. And so when we go to condemn someone else, we need to be very careful. It's not something we should be doing. But maybe we need to think about where am I? 
Is my attitude toward them correct? Is that the way I should be feeling towards them? And, and where I, am I? Am I, I in a place that I'm in the center of God's will? Or could someone, could someone condemn me just like I'm condemning her? Maybe for the same sin or maybe for a different sin. Because I'm not right with God. But as I am redeemable, they are redeemable. So if you feel like I am worthless, may I say to you, you are worth something. I am unredeemable. May I say you are redeemable. You just need to allow Christ to forgive you. And as Christ has forgiven you, forgive yourself and move on. Don't live in the defeat. Don't live in that cycle of my father was a drunk, so I'm going to be a drunk. My father was an abuser, so I'm going to marry an abuser. My, and it's part of who I am. Allow yourself to be redeemed out of those activities. As he told the woman, he said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. He didn't say what she was doing was okay. He's saying, now go and sin no more, which means to repent. He didn't say, yeah, it's all okay, just keep doing what you're doing and claim the blood of Jesus. He said, go and sin no more. It was still sin. Don't do it anymore. Repent means to about face, means to change. So we have a snippet of some doctrinal teachings in there as well. So as you walk and talk and visit with people, do you see people as ignorant and stupid and as unredeemable, as adversaries? Or do you see people in need of God changing in their lives? Let's first get them to the place that they acknowledge that they need Jesus. Let's get them to the place that they need to be, that, to recognize they need to be saved. Let's get them saved. And then through God's word, we can teach them how they should act, how they should behave, how should they interact. Yes, we, they need to know what they're doing is wrong. It's destructive. It's against God, but it's destructive to their own bodies. It's destructive to society. It's destructive to their, their uh, family, destructive to their children or future children. They need to know that it's wrong. But they are redeemable. They are loved by God. They are who Christ died for. They need to accept Jesus in their life, and they need to be saved. So if you feel unredeemable, God loves you. You can be redeemed. And if you're looking at people as unredeemable, you need to change your attitude, and you need to repent, and you need to change and have compassion for the lost and those around you. So how are you going to approach this scripture? Are you the one carrying the stones? Are you, are you the one accused? Are you going to walk away forgiven and changing your ways? Are you going to walk away in shame, dropping your stones, but just convicted of your conscience 
are you going to do something about that thing that's wrong in your life? Let's be standing together. Lord Jesus, we come to this scripture passage and who we identify in it could be multiple people. There's some that were the onlookers. There's some that were the accusers. And there's some that were the accused. But humble us all in front of Jesus. Help us, if we need to be redeemed, to know that we can be. And though we feel worthless, that we might know that we are worth the love of Jesus. And Jesus loves us. And that we can be redeemed by praying and asking Him to forgive us, to help us to change your life, and to help us to follow Him. And for those that are the accusers, help us to check our hearts, to change our ways, and start having an attitude of compassion. And for those that are onlookers, maybe they've, they've already got this under, under, under control. They have the right attitudes. May it be a reminder to do the right things, have the right thoughts, the right compassion, the right prayer life as we move forward. But Lord, help us to be more like you. Help us to learn from this lesson. And help us, to Father, to get right with you, to live in the center of your will. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.